since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into this episode that we've been waiting an hour to record, let's tell y'all at home, first off, how you can get a hold of us on social media, and then we're going to introduce you to our special guest co-host. And even if you're not at home, we're going to tell you. Exactly. You might be on a boat. You might be on a goat. You might be on a moat. We don't know. But the transportation possibilities are endless, just like these social media Eddie, first off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Give myself a like. Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can find us collectively on the Twitter machine at The Marvelists. You can find myself on the Twitter machine at Peter Melnick. You can find us collectively on Instagram at The Marvelists. You can find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick again with Marvelists and facebook and all that and my stuff it's all the same solo and combo but eddie on instagram you are eddie 9193 yes and you can also drop us a line in our email bag questions comments strongly worded letters sensual photos recipes recipe oh i never thought of using recipes as one i like that one you can do recipes you don't even know what the recipe is for well eddie as the poet robert frost once said you can send us emails at the Marvelous at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, haikus, hakus, barbarians. We don't know. Also, people, you can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, among many, many others. But rewinding, going over to Stitcher, you know, you got to rewind there. People, when you go to WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout, Marvelists, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and it's only $4.99 a month after that. Go to WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout, Marvelists, and when you do, you get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and with that one month of Stitcher Premium, you can listen to, as it's progressing, season two of the Wolverine Podcast, known right now as Wolverine The Lost Trail. And when you do, people, guess what? After that one month is over, it's only four ninety nine a month. You can cancel at any time, but because of this show, we recommend you stay on there. And we're not we're just referring to our show. We're, we're referring to these Wolverine shows because you listen to Season 1, Wolverine the Long Night. Then check out Wolverine Season 2, Wolverine the Lost Trail. It's pretty good. Yeah. And we're enjoying it. We have listened to every episode to date and... It's fun. It's a fun way to experience this character and enjoy Wolverine. People, if you can, sign up. Once again, WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. So now, this has been a long enough intro for the regular rigmarole. So for this week, we wanted to introduce you to our special guest co-host. And he's a guy who has been a listener of our show since day numero uno. Number one, if you don't speak Spanish, people. But his name is Jeremy Bagley, and he's a, he is an 11-time Jim Cornette experience mentionee. And 
Yeah. Just all around good dude, and we're happy to finally have him on the show after all of these times of saying, Episodes. Jeremy, yeah, well, just times in general, you know? And no hashtag this time. No hashtag. Eddie banned the hashtag, people. <laughs> <laughs> but we are proud to welcome Jeremy to the show. Jeremy, how you doing today? Peter, Eddie, I can't tell you what an honor it must be for you to have me on. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> You can try. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think it's got to be a tremendous honor. I mean, you threw out my bio right there, which I think was pretty complete. Well, let me get, think, let me pull it up. I think, uh, you know, Hemsworth people and, and, you know, some of those people, they might be a little upset that I got pushed to the front of the line, but, you know, look <laughs> it over, come on. Here is a... Sm- wait a minute, wait a minute. Who told Jeremy there was a line? <laughs> well, first off, here is a small bio for Dr. Senior Allfather Bagley. Data scientist with the Department of Veterans Affairs, co-founder of Pop Rock Super City Outdoor Comic Con and Pop Culture Festival in Rochester, New York. First year, all connecting real-life heroes and the superhero-slash-nerd community, August 23rd to 25th. And you go to poprockrockcity.com. He's a 34-year comic book pop culture nerd. He's 40 people. He started at age six. And he's an Iraqi war veteran, U.S. Army for a decade, former executive director of Red Cross of Greater Rochester. And you can also find him on LinkedIn, I imagine. Just, you know, Google him. Or not Google, but link him in, I guess. I don't know. Like, wrangle him in. And also, he is a 2015 WWE Hall of Famer. No, but (laughs) you got in before BTFBB. Well, yeah, you know, I actually uh, was tackled by a fan in 2015. Yikes. Uh, man, for those of you at home who don't get the reference, Bret Hart got tackled, and I'm pretty sure that is one more thing to add to the ever-loving, crappy life of Bret Hart. I feel bad for him to say that, but yeah. Well, don't feel bad when I say this, but Jeremy, thank you for your service. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and just to kind of piggyback on the uh, Rochester uh, Superhero City, uh, that's one of the things we want to do is put real-life heroes like soldiers and uh, police officers together with people who like comic books because there's a lot of inspiration that are drawn from both of them uh we tried to do it with firemen but unfortunately uh, all they would say was hail hydrant oh man you gotta hate when that happens see i love when the puns come to us (laughs) we're a pun magnet so serious question jeremy absolutely dude as part of the uh the con up there has it ever been incorporated the idea of a and maybe if you're not sure what the concept is of a touch a truck as well uh, i'm not sure what that concept is but if you okay. explain it to me i would be uh, happy to lie and say we're doing it nothing that <laughs> no you would I, from when i say it you would know whether or not you do it and i think it's something that you and i both maybe never grew up with and that would be getting kids you know teenagers or younger essentially to uh, come to a gathering of fire, Juggalos. police, oh. ambulance, fire, police, ambulance, rescue, all that stuff, and their vehicles that they use, and the kids get to sit in them, you know, toot the horn, whatever, and see how everything operates from them just watching it or playing with miniatures, and that's the whole idea of it. Yeah, we want to do an amalgam of that type of thing. Um, 
we uh, are working with one of the local car dealers who does millions and millions of dollars worth of volume up here in Rochester, and we're actually going to do like a pop culture parade. So you know, have a Batmobile out there and the Ecto One and uh, Kit, the Night Industries two thousand, and <laughs> have people be able to kind of. Uh, go into static displays of those while also having some Army National Guard and Reserve police officer and, and fire truck equipment out there. Okay. Uh, and just kind of show the amalgam between, you know, the uh, the heroes that we see on TV, the movies and in comic books, and the people who go out there every day and do something incredibly brave without the benefit of, of superpowers. So it's, uh, it's right in line with what you were talking about. I just wasn't familiar with that old-timey slang. Right. I mean, that could include, and I've been to some myself as usually Captain America, a touch of truck, and it's very cool to get, you know, uh, a picture of you on the side of a tank or something or an army vehicle when you're in that character um, and to thank them for what they what they do. And, yeah. Absolutely. It's a great way to sell war bonds. Yeah. <laughs> Penny bonds today. That's a reference like five people in this audience are going to get, and I'm fine with that. Oh, good. It was a Bugs Bunny reference, Eddie. Wow, I'm sorry I didn't remember it right away. It's the wrong intonation, perhaps. Well, yeah, it was terrible. That's why. There you go. Hey, stop that. <laughs> the episode's not over, so it's not going to happen. Now, Eddie, one of the main topics that we want to talk about, not just because this is Avengers April, but because of the fact it's the biggest news going on today. There is going to be a Hawkeye, no, sorry, Hawkeye series coming to the Disney Plus platform. Near you. And both, well, it's going to be everywhere because it's digital and streaming. It's dig it, Al. Yeah, I'm good. Stop that. But the <laughs> the idea of a Hawkeye series has been teased for a while, and now it actually is going to happen, and it will be featuring Jeremy Renner. Excellent. Jeremy, what do you, th- as a Jeremy, what do you think of that, Jeremy? Well, I'm 100% behind the name. Uh, of like Jeremy or Hawkeye? There's a lot of character. Um, you know, of all the characters that they could adapt into, uh, you know, over-the-top streaming service for Disney, Hawkeye certainly is one of them. Yeah. I mean, in he's, all honesty... Oh, go ahead, he, No, he's shown himself from the beginning, I think, what, from the first Thor movie, that this could be something, and it's great they're going in this direction. But as a side note, Jeremy, what do you think of the other Jeremy, the Pearl Jam Jeremy? Oh, stop that. <laughs> I spoke in class one day, and I just kind of, I was done with him after that. Be the flow. That's a different song. But in fairness, uh, going back to, to Hawkeye, Hawkeye, I think there's a lot of fun little Easter eggs that, uh, in the uh, first Avengers movie, that Natasha and and Hawkeye kind of dropped with each other, which might be kind of fun to go back and kind of explore. So if it kind of runs the timeline from his time in S.H.I.E.L.D. to maybe... Uh, you know, kind of bringing Nat in and, and having her be part of S.H.I.E.L.D. from whatever, you know, Russian organization she was part of before. Budapest. Uh, you know, I think that's something that could be really fun and, uh, you know, a great way to kind of have an open-ended series to kind of be a premiere thing for Marvel on the Disney Plus app. I think the idea of doing Hawkeye is an example of they're yeah they're digging the bottom of the barrel for the characters in the main ones like who can we really utilize but i like that they're doing that i like that hawkeye in the movies really hasn't been that fleshed out you know and absolutely right i think one of the things too that you're going to run into is 
All right, we've got Infinity War. We're going to have Endgame. None of us really know how that's going to play out yet. But how much bigger can you go in scale? And I think this gives you an opportunity to maybe take things down to a street level. I really think people enjoyed um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, with the espionage aspect of it, too, and kind of the spy game going back and forth and placing these characters who are normally in these larger-than-life uh, experiences and these space adventures and these saving-the-world type scenarios and seeing them put into this kind of spy game type of thing, I think that was really intriguing and an interesting way to go with it. And I think if they follow the Hawkeye series that way, it could be a way to bring the MCU down to the ground level again after it's been on such a high with literally half the universe disappearing. Now, I'm, I'm honestly thinking if we end up getting this series happening, I guarantee that it's going to be in the style of the uh, Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction and David Aha and all them. And if you haven't read that series, as of this recording, it's actually on sale until I believe next month on Comixology, so you can get it for a cool $15. And, or if you're on Marvel Unlimited, you know, just read it on there. But it's a very hip comic. It's almost like David Mazzuccelli and, you know, most of the art and it's just just fun and i think this is going to be one of the not unspoken but like it's going to be one of those series that people are not going to get enough of and it's going to be like a it's going to be the biggest hit out of all of the series that they're doing no you're absolutely right and i think one other aspect to this too that could really play well for a series is that you can't just be up all the time the volume can't be all the way up at 10 one of the things that Hawkeye and the MCU has that just about nobody else has, uh, and maybe that's part of the story that's being told here, is a family. You know, yeah. It played out really well with Ant-Man. It, it was a great part of both of those two movies, and that, that aspect of you know the duplicitous part of his life being that superhero, but also you know trying the thing that he needed to stabilize the most in his life was his family. And I think that that could play out really well with Hawkeye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, in regards to the character, well, actually, in regards to other characters, who would you want to see jump over to the Disney Plus uh, format? I kind of like that uh, aspect of kind of shrinking it down a little bit. So it's really easy to throw out, like, you know, Iron Man and Captain America and Hulk, you know, the Star Spangled Banner. But uh, I'd really like to see some of those. Like, I think, you know, we're going to get a... um, uh, Oh, a Black Widow movie, and I think that's going to be awesome, and I think that, you know, her character lends itself to kind of that uh, weekly, episodic type of show. Uh, you know, very much, shows like that have been very successful, like uh, La Femme Nikita and uh, Alias, you know, where you've got this uh, bigger-than-average spy who's a woman who, you know, can use both her incredible skills, but also the power of seduction to kind of you know, manipulate her way through a scenario depending on who she's dealing with. And I think that that plays itself to television. I don't necessarily think that the larger-than-life heroes uh, like Tony and and uh, Thor would really necessarily be conducive to TV. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to put a blockbuster uh, movie on every week, you know, and I think that we learned... If one of the things that we learned from the Netflix series is that it's really hard to sustain that level of, you know, large-scale fighting over the course of 13 episodes. So if the characters themselves don't have, you know, any substance to who they are as, as, as 
being relatable, you know, um, <coughs> Iron Fist. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's, it's hard to watch. Funniest thing is, in regards to the Netflix shows, Eddie actually recently finally finished the first season of Daredevil. I'm on my way. And are you going, Eddie, are you watching uh, season two, or are you going into uh, Jessica Jones Well, I next? started with the first episode of season two, but then you said, wait, wait, you should really see Jessica Jones first, so I have to go there. Yeah, because it, it does all tie in together nicely. In a bowl. Well, maybe. I think uh, Winter Soldier would be a great show. There's so much backstory to what happened between when we saw him in Winter Soldier and, you know, when he disappeared in the first Cap movie, besides, you know, uh, smoking, you know, the Starks. Right, and down the ravine down from the train, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of uh, gaps in his history where you could fill in or you could move forward. Him and Falcon and a buddy comedy show with some action and it would be hilarious as was in the uh, Volkswagen Beetle scene underneath the trestle <laughs> yeah move the seat forward please <laughs> now in regards to the Disney Plus platform I feel this could also be a spot where we get some of the like original movies and I'd be I would honestly love to see that and it could be a, a nice uh, experimental place for the Marvel brand because there is so much you can do. And at the end of the day, the best thing about Marvel is how massive the universe really is. And now I'm, I'm just doing verbal diarrhea right now. Yeah, but because at the end of the day is night. Stop that. And Moon Knight is clearly the character we ah, want to see. Nice. You're welcome. Thank you, Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eddie. Oh, we want more now? Yeah. Waka waka for my, <laughs> for my, action, my next number. <laughs> I'd like a volunteer from the audience. Jeremy? Um, I think there's opportunities for, uh, you guys have talked about in the last few weeks on your pod, especially with some of your cosplayers, the beauty that the Marvel Universe has where it connects to horror. And I think that, you know, Disney said, hey, you know, we're not putting a lot of restrictions on this. This isn't going to be... Disney presents the, you know, uh, horror aspect of the Marvel Universe. It's going to be a full-on Marvel thing. So, um, you know, while a lot of those properties, you know, are connected with Spider-Man right now, I think Moon Knight would be great. Um, you know, we've seen what you can do with uh, the psychological aspects of uh, Marvel. The FX show Legion is amazing, you know, and really gets into people's heads and kind of messes with your brain a little bit. But it tells sure. a story, and I think that Moon Knight lends itself to people who want... Uh, a superhero with a cool costume who does episodic, you know, adventures every week, but it also appeals to people who like a like a psychological thriller that, you know, can kind of break the character down a little bit and make them relatable. Jeremy, let me ask you with respect to Legion, because I have very difficult time with it. I just did the first season, and I was just lost into what was perceived, what was psychological, psycho killer, whatever. Kiss, kiss, say. Um, fa, 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 fa. If you make a talking head reference, I am going to finish it. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Did you, because I have among the you know thousands to read, catch up, would be the X-Men where Legion was in in that storyline. So I don't know if... With his flat and I'm, assu I'm assuming, yes, you his having... dumb hair. <laughs> ...probably read that and then see, you know seen the show. Anything to compare... Or did it follow a similar th thread line, you know? Yeah, I think with that character, it's really hard. The, 
trying to, you know, the cliche answer is, well, the book is way better than the show, or the book is way better than the movie. And I think that this is an opportunity for them to be both equally good. Uh, you're always going to get different liberties when you've got drawings and words on a format versus uh, the director and producers need to uh, give an actor a certain amount of lines and make sure that they're fitting things in between commercial breaks. And so I think what they really did that was really great with that show is they teased the, the bigger X-Men universe. You know, they brought us all in for the ride who are already coming connected. But I think they made that show appealing to people who just like psychological thrillers and that type of, you know, FX-style drama. And so, was it a little bit all over the place? Absolutely. Uh, is that character conducive and that story uh, relatable to being all over the place? Absolutely, too. There's been some of those comics that are, you know, you get done reading them and you're like, what did I just go through? And a lot of the shows are that way. And, I, you know, you're talking about the son of Xavier, uh, you know, we already have enough trouble, you know, trouble living up to the, the legends of our parents, but this guy's also got, you know, the 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 telekinesis and, and everything else going along with it. So, hmm. I, you know, it's fun. It's a little bit uh, hodgepodge, but I think at the end of the day, it achieved what it wanted to do, and it's been pretty universally acclaimed. Do you think that uh, if you did happen to read the comic book first, you kind of had a little bit of a better idea and could ingest the TV series and understand a little bit more about it? Yeah, I think sometimes what we do is though, uh, as fans is that we self set ourselves up for this expectation that if it's not a direct adaptation of what we just read, that it's not as good. And what I love about these characters, and I think one of the things that, you know, as a child of Stan Lee, is that this universe is so big and they create these multiverses uh, and I'm just you know kind of talking in general for Marvel and, and to a certain extent the distinguished competition that it you know it's been done for so many years that why not allow the character to stay who it is at its core but tell a different aspect of that story and I think that's the beauty of these things is that we don't have to have the same canned stories that we have read you know it, uh, if they want to do a yeah, a different interpretation of the the Phoenix saga. Cool. You know, I'm along for the ride because I've already read it and I've already seen it played out in the animated series. If this is a little bit different, that's awesome. You know, I don't think it's going to be better or worse. I think it's just a different way to tell a story from what I believe are modern mythological figures. And mythology has been told a million different ways by a million different people throughout the time that we've been telling stories and, and carving them on cave walls. And I don't think that there's any reason to not let these characters be dynamic. And let if the origin and the base of who they are stays relatively the same, why not let them run and be free and, and enjoy the ride? Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse was a great example of that. It didn't stick to the you know key Peter Parker story. Mm. Uh, Miles Morales was able to run and, and you know have this different origin and be a different character. And it was amazing. You know, everybody loved it, and I think if we go in as fans with an open mind and say, you know what, I know a lot about the source material, but that doesn't mean I have to know how the story is going to start and crescendo and end, you're going to enjoy the experience a lot more than you are if you just walk away disappointed that it didn't follow the book to the letter. Now, one of the big things about this episode, obviously, is since it is Avengers April, we're going to get into Jeremy's thoughts on what he thinks is going to happen in Avengers Endgame. But 
on the topic of Avengers Endgame, have two little things to tell you. First off, let's get a fun trivia fact out, people. Is it Ant-Man? Did you know... Is it the Wasp? That Ant-Man... Stop it. You just tricked me with that. Anyway, (laughs) did you know that Avengers Endgame is the first Avengers film in the MCU not to release in the same year as a film in Sony Animation's Hotel Transylvania franchise? (laughs) The Avengers released in the same year as Hotel Transylvania 2012... Avengers Age of Ultron, released in the same year as Hotel Transylvania 2 in 2015. And Avengers Infinity War, released in the same year as Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation in 2018. Now, what did that have to do with anything? Nothing at all. I yeah. just wanted to bring up Hotel Transylvania on The Marvelists with Adam <laughs> Sandler. Because it's and- got bite. Stop that. But... <laughs> Guys, one of the big things for this week is the release of the upcoming Entertainment Weekly covers, and each of the six covers features an OG Avenger. And something somebody pointed out on the Marvel Studios subreddit, if you look at the Entertainment Weekly color of the logo in each one, it's representing an Infinity Stone. There you go. So this is how how deep they are going into promoting this thing. All, everything has a connection to something somehow. So that it's was really about everything. It. No, everything done for a reason. That's good. I was just focused on okay, which characters and their full headshots, maybe to the shoulders. Now, how do they tie into are, Hotel Transylvania? Um, very neatly, and so you don't trip over yourself when you're walking. <laughs> Jeremy, what are your thoughts on the Hotel Transylvania franchise? <laughs> um, I, I'm still trying to stop the topic. I want to spend the night. <laughs> so now, obviously, this is, like I said, Avengers Endgame <laughs> predictions. Jeremy, what are your thoughts, theories on the movie? And what do you think is going to happen in the future of the Marvel cinematic universe? Well, Peter, thanks for asking. <laughs> You're welcome. And, oh, and uh, I don't know, I think that this is an opportunity to kind of, you know, we all got our theories. And we all, you know, there's this, uh, all the internet hoopla and, you know, the rumor and innuendo. Hullabaloo. Die, you know, in order for this to, uh, to have some kind of meaning to it. And, you know, I would challenge back with that, that if you go through the entire Infinity Saga, the trilogy, the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity War, and the Infinity Crusade, uh, nobody really permanently stays dead in any of those things, except, you know, maybe one of the bad guys goes away for a little while. And so I don't think you have to have that finality of somebody dying. So uh, real quick, you know, I'm not saying that this is what it's going to be, but this is what I'd like to see. Um, going from Infinity War, you know, we had, uh, if you if you measure up, there's a bunch of minor characters, but if you look at some of the main features that we haven't seen or the main people who we haven't seen from the comics into the movie, uh, you've got Goddess, Warlock, and Magnus, who are kind of like the... Uh, embodiments of you know uh neutral good and evil you know uh and then you've got death and then you've got uh mephisto right uh mephistophocles in the uh, uh did i pronounce that right pretty uh, yeah, pretty dang good I, i'm going mephistopheles? with mephistopheles mephistopheles yeah, yeah there you go i transylvania transylvania blah Of characters that you had from that movie, I don't see them introducing anymore. 
Uh, but I think they're symbolized by some of the people in there. Like, I think that, you know, I don't think they put the Red Skull in there just to kind of have everybody go, oh, you know, I think at some point Red Skull is going to play a role in this. My theory is that he, I think he may have given Thanos a fake stone, and that being the, the soul stone. And if you go back to some of the uh, other comic book incarnations, in Infinity War, one of the ways they stopped the Magnus is because, and spoiler alert, if you haven't read this book from 1991, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break some details down for you. But in the original Infinity Gauntlet, they spread the stones out, and everybody kind of had one that was in the Infinity Watch. And I believe it was the Reality Stone that Thanos was in charge of, because regardless of how crazy or how bad he was, uh, he always wanted to preserve reality. He didn't look to try to change reality. He just wanted to become the highest being in that reality, replace um, eternity as the, the highest being in that reality. And so I think that there's an opportunity here for the Red Skull to kind of find his way back to Earth or wherever he wants to go because of that. Uh, you know, getting rid of the gems, maybe his opportunity to leave um, that funny uh what's the name of that planet it's got the is it never believer no that's where the the uh the elves were right nowhere no not nowhere no, no. It was the giant celestial skull with the uh um where the oh sweetum's land what's that sweetum's land i i know we're, land. The, right. the one with uh peter dinklage right but mm. i'm talking about the place where the red skull was um when he had the soul stone. Right, where he was on his long summer vacation. Right, exactly, for the lifetime. And, Yikes. Uh, but I think the opportunity to get out of there was, you know, passing that gem along or, you know, a, a flight path off of that place from Thanos because the Red Skull is, you know, uh, an interesting character, but he probably doesn't have a GPS for the for space. <laughs> um, I kind of like to see him come back and be uh, integral in, in that thing. I think it gives you an opportunity to kind of, if there is a time travel aspect to uh, Endgame, to maybe have a, a knockdown drag out with Cap in that era. And I think that that gives them an opportunity to kind of betray Thanos at some point. Uh, maybe him or Hela, who we don't know if she's dead or yet, or dead or not. Uh, she's the goddess of death, so I assume that she can come back from a lot of stuff. But I think there's an opportunity for Thanos to kind of transition out of being the big bad, maybe see the error of his ways, uh, want to preserve reality, because that's still something that he cares about. And, um, you know, kind of have a little bit of a, not necessarily a redemption, but doing whatever he believes is right to preserve his reality. Uh, all that said and done, I, I'm kind of hoping that we don't lose any of the characters. I'd like to see... Cap maybe uh, use that time-traveling experience to go back to where he's from, you know, stay in the 1940s and grow old um, with... Uh, Peggy. Peggy, yeah, Peggy Carter. I don't know, I didn't remember that. Um, because I think Cap's story through this whole stretch of movies has been he's been a man out of time. And so I think that he really kind of belongs back there. I think that's why he fought so hard for Bucky and maybe kind of even broke all his own rules to fight for Bucky is because that was his last kind of touch. That was the last thing he had grounding him back in the time that he was supposed to be in. Uh, I'd like to see Thor maybe uh, retire from this when they get done fighting whoever they're ending up fighting. I actually don't think Thanos is going to be the main, you know, grand finale battle. I think he's going to join them in some aspect and fight somebody else. Um, hmm. Kind of like... Thor kinda rebuild. 
sorry, go ahead. Is, I remember they did that with one of the storylines where in uh, the end of Infinity Gauntlet, he teams up with them. Yeah. If I remember correctly. They bring him out and uh, they fight the Magus in uh, Infinity War, too. And I think he's also crucial for the other aspect of uh, the goddess who wants everything to be so great. She's just the polar opposite of Magnus. He wants to be rule everything through evil and she wants to rule everything through good. And most of us want that world where it's somewhere in the middle. So um, you don't want... Universe. You're one of those people that doesn't think this is going to be the end of uh, Thanos. I'm hoping it's not. Uh, again, you know, they could just kind of go with the script, but I think Thanos is such a great, rich character um, that it would be a shame for him to kind of... There's, you know, the theory that maybe he wasn't wrong, you know? Um, obviously, he's a mass murderer, <laughs> you know, universal scale. But I think that, you know, if there's that snap to make it happen, you could probably view the snap to do it back. Eddie, make the joke yeah. about the snap. What? The song. The, I've got the power. Snap. There we go. 1990. Yeah. <laughs> they should have put that in there, man. I'm telling you what. I don't think it would have helped. I think it would have made the situation worse. Well, you know, sometimes it's a good thing to be that way. Absolutely. I'd love to see Tony retire, maybe have a family with Pepper. Mm. I think that these people can kind of be... Um, you know, except for maybe Cap, and it's okay not to have Captain America in every cinematic Avengers movie. Um, but we're talking about moving on, you know, with some films, and maybe uh, Captain Marvel's the centerpiece for the Avengers going forward. And you know, I think that's that's okay. You know, we've we've had eleven years of this stuff and twenty something films. This that big giant universe out there, like you talked about before, and. The thing about, uh, just like with uh, pro wrestling, never say never, right? Somebody's always got an opportunity to come back. Well, comics is the same way. I think ultimately, no matter how this ends, it's okay to have a happy ending with this, have everybody kind of be out the way it is. I'd like to see some uh, after credit scenes, maybe with like uh, Adam Warlock um, working on the Cosmic Cubes or something, and maybe he brings up the other aspect of uh, the light part of it, you know, that could be fun and then i'd really love to see maybe as an introduction to uh you know the properties you know end credit scene after everything's all over and we sat in the theater for four hours and 20 minutes uh big globe ship you know spherical ship uh attracted to what's been happening lately with the all the cool things going on in earth and maybe it just goes to black and there's a booming voice that goes i hunger <laughs> and that'd be kind of a Ooh. He's uh, an opportunity for the Fantastic Four and Galactus. Je- Jeremy, you had me at global ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm just glad I said ship. Well, you know they say ship happens, and that just happened. Ahoy! At a global level. <laughs> Did you just say ahoy? <laughs> Chips ahoy, they're delicious. Chips ahoy, yes. Another word that sounds vaguely familiar to ship. Good cookie. Mm-hmm. And the other PG-13 word that we're going to avoid. <laughs> well, I mean, we can say it's PG-13, you know. They can get away with saying that. We can show boobies once in this. We can say one F-bomb, but we're not going to. <sighs> I'm trying to save everything up for the end of the show. <laughs> you want to go out with the grand finale of fireworks. You don't want to blow them all in the first few minutes. <laughs> and in regards to some of these characters, you know, future ones like Galactus, because Galactus is going to be... Obviously CGI, unless you know you put like a guy in a purple uh, Grand Puba hat. But it's gonna be John. 
That's <laughs> it, Fez, all the way. <laughs> I want to see that so badly now. <laughs> and you know what? Marvel could make it work. Oh, that'd be bright. Put him in a loincloth. Oh, uh, man. Oh, Peter. You but, go too far. But yeah, the idea of, you know, a Galactus, who would you cast to be Galactus for this? I think you've got to go the computer route and then somebody with a really, you know, amazing voice. Um, and I'm not quite sure who that is because, you know, you can overuse, you know, you automatically default to, you know, somebody like Lawrence Fishburne or, um, you know, Morgan Freeman or somebody with a great voice. So, hmm. Uh, if he wasn't, sure if he wasn't up there in age, I would love to see James Earl Jones. Yeah, James Earl Jones would be great. You got a million great voice actors out there too. Who you know doesn't necessarily need to be a famous person every time. It um, could be Idris Elba, or it could be Nathan Fillion, just like every other person cast for everything ever. Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and the amazing Colossal Galactus. I've got the munchies. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> you gotta cur- you gotta tailor it to his liking, you know. Not I hunger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, he just said so got me. Holy I actually have tears. Good job. Hoofa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once in a while. Woo! (laughs) Sorry, I felt a Ric Flair coming on right there. Wow, woo. A little higher. Woo! Maybe uh, Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. (laughs) I think that's my debut of that voice on the show. That was the voice that Lawrence Fishburne was the surfer, so how ironic would that be if, uh, yeah, Galactus? Right. I mean, they let, uh, you know, Evans play two characters. I knew that was coming, yeah. But not in the same cinematic universe. (laughs) That's the thing. Not Ben Uh, Grimm, but what I think, I just don't know, because then there are fans that are like, wait a minute, Galactus sounds a lot like that Goliath guy. Wait a minute, G? G? Oh my goodness. (laughs) How about uh, Andre Bauer from... uh, Brooklyn See, I don't know his voice. Um, he did a really good. Um, there was uh, adaptation of the Ed McGuinness uh, Batman Superman uh, Public Enemies. Never saw it. Oh, and he played Darkseid in that. And his, uh, you know, bring Supergirl to. Um, I'm sorry. That was even different. I've got my DC. You know, it's DC, so who cares? Um, you stop that. Home entertainment messed up. Sorry if you're listening out there, DC. Um, still love you to come to the Pop Rock Super City and make up this. Yeah. Give a big ol' hug. Yeah, to the distinguished competition. But yeah, Andre Bauer's got a great voice and uh, some gravitas, and I think he could model the... Uh, he did a great dark side, though, is what I'm trying to say, while uh, backpedaling out of, uh, you know, potentially uh, getting in trouble with DC. I'm also thinking, in regards to like the character of Adam Warlock, a lot of people have, you know, fan-casted him, and I, I have my picks. Eddie has his picks. I do. What about you? Uh, Adam Warlock? Yeah. Ooh, this could be fun. 
one. Uh, I've heard like Zac Efron uh, would be a good one. Hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure, Zach, if you're listening. This isn't a shot. I don't know if he's tall enough. Uh, but I guess it doesn't matter. You can make. I mean, they got CGI, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've never heard that choice for uh, the character. It's got the look, you know. I mean, he's, you know. Uh, am I trying to out myself here now? Or, uh, nah. you know, good looking dude, and uh, you know, he's pretty chiseled, so you spray paint him gold, and there you go. go. Uh, but he could be an Oscar. Guy, he could be. Uh, what that guy from the garbage can and the Sesame Street show? <laughs> well, he was orange in the initial seasons of uh, Sesame Street. <gasps> okay. Be sure to follow Muppet History on Twitter and Instagram, by the way. Oscar, Oscar Madison. Oh, come on. You're not thinking of the hot dogs? No. I'm not that. I'm not the one who hunger. Stop that. But <laughs> did we say Matthew McConaughey for something? Yeah, I, I've said McCon- ooh, for McConaughey uh-huh. for uh, Warlock. For war- Okay. Oh, ooh. <sighs> who would Pacino play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because he's courted them before. Oh, jeez. Oh, smoking a cigar. Ooh, ah. North Star, do your thing. Ooh, ah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I love the idea, though, of... It's uh, as I said it to uh, Neil Adams once. It's the let me pick up that name I just dropped, but it's like the equivalent of cinematic football teams. Like, who's going to get drafted to where? And... Some guys go over and are lucky to go over to Marvel. Others have, you know, they lost the coin flip and go over to the distinguished competition. And I, and I, I kid about DC. I have to clarify that, people. I do like DC. I read a lot of their stuff, and I like a lot of their things. That Holy they moly. Out. Well, yeah. Yeah, speaking of, you know, we've been on the topic of it. We loved Shazam, and I'm planning on seeing it a second time real soon. But, yeah, I like DC. I don't hate them. Really. I swear. <laughs> Sounds like a Peter Melnick button waiting to happen. You stop that. I think, though, for these movies, do you really need to have... Uh, and I know they've done a great job of kind of um, bringing in A-list actors and having them kind of really fit, you know, really well. Um, unless they wanted to get more money and they were in Iron Man, so they've never seen again. But um, Yikes. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I understood that reference. <laughs> yeah. I guess literally the Empire Strikes Back. Eh, um, good enough. <laughs> yeah, just hit me with the water bottle. Uh, but, no, I think that... Would they lose any ground? I mean, they've got it's such a machine at this point. Could you kind of put no-name actors in there and, and still be successful as long as there was a sprinkling of you know Hollywood dust in there? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you look at the initial movies for the MCU and... Chris Evans was, you know, damaged goods. He really didn't do much prior. He, you know, he did not another teen movie. He did The Losers. He did Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Not a lot of movies. And then Captain America comes along. And just like, you know, the grunge movement in the 1990s beating up uh, Motley Crue and all them, boom. Because I'm doing a Paul Heyman reference from the Rise and Fall of ECW, but that was like failing no, miserably. No, you do a, another reference. Boom. You, you looking for this? Stop that. But... (laughs) Dilly dilly. (laughs) But the idea of, yeah, just a lot of those those actors, they, you know, Robert Downey Jr. again was damaged goods. And now look at him. 
He's got a goatee. He does. And glasses. Hmm. Dude looks cool as hell, by the way, during the press tour right now for the uh, for Endgame. Holy crap. I'm jealous. Like, it gives me hope. You know, the 50's <laughs> not too far away. And uh, I think with some rose-colored glasses and, uh, you know, some really tight-fitting clothes, I think I can still be relevant. I believe in you. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to start shopping at the, uh, you know, Express for Men. The, and, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. store. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, no, I mean, but I think that's, he's a perfect example of that, though. That was kind of the... The anchor, you know, that you had, and then you got brought in some people who, they weren't unknowns, but they weren't A-list celebrities, and I think you can kind of do that. You anchor it with a couple of, you know, A-list celebrities, sprinkle them in some young talent that's going to last for 10 more movies, and you can kind of get on the cheap, so, you know, the the, the movies don't cost $500 million to make every time, because uh, you're, again, the whole point of an Endgame is that this is probably going to be the last for a little while at least, large, large, large scale, big time, you know, universal movie for them. Uh, and they're kind of leaning towards going back down to more street level, you know, single stories that still interconnect. So there's an opportunity there, I think, to kind of introduce some new talent, get some fresh faces out there. And it stops it from going stale and, you know, it kind of gives you an opportunity to kind of grow with the characters again if this is where you're jumping on. Next step, New Mutants. Well, one day. we gotta introduce we got to introduce the old mutants first. Oh. Then we get the new ones. Because in all honesty, you know, we're hearing rumors right now that the New Mutants movie is actually getting shelved. Mm. And it might be released on the Disney Plus format instead. Which, it's kind of disheartening because we haven't gotten a new trailer and... Trailers for movies that are coming out this summer have already come out. Yeah. Just not that one. It's kind of disappointing. But anyway, Mm -hmm. a little digression from that. But, you know, you look at Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way, who I love him in Sherlock. And you finally said his name right. Well, because I always do it as a joke, Eddie. 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 So now you're being curious? You guys. But the idea. You better clean it up. Well, (laughs) stop that. But the. Messy. The idea of Benedict Cumberbatch, he is a name, if you know the BBC shows, that he's like the equivalent of casting in a major role, David Tennant or Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, they're names, but only if you're like a hardcore BBC fan. Otherwise, you know, they're not really that known. And now because of Doctor Strange paired with Sherlock, Cumberbatch is a household name. Mm -hmm. And... I think the idea of some of these people coming in, it's the next wave is going to be, I would say, I'm going to make a bold prediction. The next wave of actors, we're going to see one of the people who does the DC shows for uh, the CW. I'd be surprised if we see Grant Gustin. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Mm, yeah. All right. I think you're right. Uh, I think what you're going to see too is that, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Marvel's owned by Disney. Disney's a corporation. Shareholders are never happy with sustainability. They want growth. And even if we're not going to have a giant, you know, mega endgame type movie for a little while, uh, I think the next step is to start casting, you know, Bollywood type actors, um, you know, actors from China to give more worldwide appeal because, you know, you're looking at the box office receipts. These movies do great in North America, but the biggest chunk of their box office is worldwide. And I think the way to expand that is to diversify the character base a little bit, bring in some people for, 
uh, where you really want to have some growth, and uh, India and China are the two biggest markets that you can have growth in. And I think you're going to see a lot of the actors from these um, in these movies, at least, uh, you know, starting out bit parts and growing into majors or more major supporting roles, be from those areas. Shang Chi is going to be a make or break for them. I'm calling it now. That's going to be a very because it's a movie that. Eddie, when you were growing up reading Marvel comics, did you care about Shang Chi? Be honest. It wasn't until much later that I actually collected the, that run and you know started getting into a little bit of that stuff. But the short answer is no. Yeah, and I think when it happens, when we finally see that character make his big screen debut, it is going to be a very bold gamble for Marvel, and. I, I just don't know. And what kind of tone can you go for for that movie? Because do you go super serious? I would actually go with that for that. I wouldn't use much humor. Because that's what worked best for the uh, Netflix series. A serious tone, while still sometimes sprinkling in levels of humor, is fine, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're talking about, you know, we, a lot, we tend to drift off a little bit to, you know, this being the end of something. You know, there's still going to be at least, what, two more sequels to Black Panther. you still got at least two more sequels to Doctor Strange. You're, you know, there's no uh, shortage of current characters. I mean, I know those people are all dead right now, and they're never coming back. But I didn't even know they were sick. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but, you know, you spray a little pledge, and you wipe the dust off. Yikes. And, <laughs> Shake you know, well. Uh, they come back, and, I mean, you've, you've got foreseeable you know like two or three more phases you know if that's gonna how they're gonna break these sagas down uh with characters that you still have so i don't think there's any panic button for marvel right now to say hey um you know we don't have anything in the hopper uh if anything maybe they have too much you know i I know we're all really excited about the x-men and everything coming in and all these characters deadpool have we ever discussed that they might have too much to try to shoehorn into two or three movies a year well with in regards to uh the x-men stuff you know with the whole level of how much can you shoehorn or whatever you know or not how much can you shoehorn but like are we shoehorning things in i would say we're gonna see characters retired and then other ones get slowly introduced in like we you know i've discussed in the show the idea of bringing in wolverine through like you know an alpha flight movie or something that would be cool you know, Eddie, yourself? Well, I think we mentioned one time, too, Dazzler as another possibility. Right. I think a long time ago, we, and I forgot the direct reference, Speedball. Yeah, speed. so, I don't know, I just, I just think if we're bringing these characters in, the idea of, how do you say it, like, I believe they will be introduced in a way that's not that over the top. It's you know not going to be that in your face of hey guys, we're bringing this character and you should pay attention to them or like hey let's you know you know you know what I mean? Like, you bring them in in a mid mid or post credit scene. Yeah, it's not going to be all at once either. It's not going to be like you know DC where hey conveniently all these characters are going to debut and also have a really great graphic design team in the form of Lex Luthor making their logos, yeah. right. but. It's going to be characters coming in and just, you know, doing their own thing. And it's going to be, they're going to dribble them in just like they did with the characters that we have now. Like, there'll be characters, 
I think the next four movies after uh, Spider-Man Home or Spider-Man Far From Home, the next wave, we're going to see X-Men slowly introduced through each one. And then we end up getting our own X-Men team. Absolutely. And then to your point about all these introductions and kind of slowly doing it, that's why I'm a little bit more uh, like optimistic about Endgame because it can't just, it can't be Infinity War Part 2. This thing is going to end on a happy note because it's not only the end of that Infinity Saga, this is also the beginning of the next saga. Right. You know, the, the, this is going to be a tale of two movies. It's going to, you know crescend at some point and, and we're going to see maybe some tragedy but it's going to bring you back up again because the next movie coming into this is far from home and you know they're not going to want to you know have the, what is extensively the last spider-man movie under the agreement with, with them and sony uh, as far as we know right now you know be kind of leading into a bummer you know this it's going to pick us back up again and i totally agree with that i mean just as an early Naive, simple prediction. All these characters that went away and went to dust still exist in in the comic book realm and in our hearts. And exactly, and to not have them is really unthinkable. And I think a really seriously bad move if it if it, if it comes to that. That's a very far departure to to. Um, to cross between the comic book and the movie because yes you take liberties you make adaptations for the big screen to have it be more mass appeal worthy uh, saturating into your brains and a little more understandable than the, the nuances of a comic book can can do more more details but don't you know don't wipe them out to that to that degree I thought if there's some tragedy Jeremy like you said I don't know maybe somebody like like Nebula would would go so, yeah, no, I, I think you make a really good point. But uh, throughout the almost forty years that I've been reading comic books, uh, the death of characters is always, uh, you know, a um, a point to try to sell comic. It's a gimmick, you know, and it never lasts. It rarely makes the fans happy. And I think all of this stuff is entertainment, and we put a lot of time and effort into it, and it's good because it's fun and. Like I said before, I think it's the mythology of modern times. But rarely do we want these stories to end on a sad note, you know? Yep. And I think that you can have the impact. Uh, it doesn't take away from Thanos as a uh, villain in a movie. You know, the guy beat the Avengers. You know, nobody's done that so far. Um, it doesn't take away from him if this gets reversed. Uh, if you're any type of fan of comics or action movies or anything, rarely do the deaths happen and stay that way. Uh, is somebody probably going to not be back? Absolutely. Do I think it's going to be this grand tragedy that we can't get back from? No, because that's, that's not how you sell tickets to the next movie. You know, a follow-up to that would possibly be, and it's a speculation, of course, is that the characters that do come back post-snap, post-dusting, are they going to be different or just be waking up from a dream, uh-huh. you know. Do, do you want to get into what they may or may not have thought or felt? Maybe not. Maybe it's better that you don't know while they are dust. Yeah, and especially for somebody. I mean, we forget that you know Peter Parker's a high school student. You know, um, 
unfortunately in real life and you know i don't want to get too dark here but a lot of students in in our country have had experiences with life and death yeah uh right in their own school uh is that part of the story going you know the rest of the way from him that he's seen something on the other side and now is even more vigilant and super protective of the people he cares about uh you can't go through i can tell you you know experiences having been overseas in the service you don't go through things like that and come back out the same um is that a story that they want to tell for the mm. you know near future in the mcu or was everybody just in the soul gem and when they come back they don't remember it you know is that an easier way to kind of reboot you know yeah and in effect on that note when in a couple of different films when when Tony Stark made references to what he had seen having you know brought the nuke into space you, you didn't get too too crazy into that which was good I thought but enough to realize hey you know he's got something going on that he saw something that nobody else did and he's trying to deal with it yeah absolutely and I think it, you, you see a, a switch flip of that character in that particular scene that, that he you know, really realizes that, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm still a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, you know, all the things he lists when he's not in the suit. Yeah. But uh, it's time to buckle down and, and, you know, start that family and, and, you know, talk about living a life as opposed to, as Tony and, and with Pepper as opposed to being Iron Man and with the Avengers. And, you know, maybe that's where these people change is that their priorities become different. The heroes that were kind of, you know, on the fringe a little bit, or that we're just getting introduced to, they kind of step up into those main roles, and you know, kind of let the the Marvel version or the Avengers version of the uh, the 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 big three kind of you know go live their life. Thor has gone through some stuff in, in the last few movies. I don't think anybody's been beat up as much as him. Mm. But more importantly than anything else, he's the leader of a race of people that have no home and are all and half of them are dead his priorities are now that after this as opposed to you know continuing having adventures with you know his superhero friends yeah absolutely correct if people are not realizing that component and uh, yeah to get back to that would probably have to be where he goes next and on the topic of where we go next where are you going to be the night of Avengers Endgame premiering. And your rules that you posted recently. <laughs> I said well, we have to hit... We, pretty simple. I, uh, you know, have fun with that, but of course, we talked about this earlier, you know, I uh, jumped with all the rest of the unwashed masses onto uh, Fandango and, and fought the line. Thankfully, I live in a more, uh, you know, rural part of the country, so I was able to get in there pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I can fire off some of these real quick. There was a bunch of them that kind of were out there that people had, and I just decided to make my own list. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's kind of fun. I don't take movies too seriously, but this one I am because it's kind of the culmination for those of us, you know, like I said, in the nineties, I was envisioning the infinity gauntlet, infinity war as a, as a, a movie, you know, that you know, you'd want to see play out in your mind's eye. So first thing, I'm going to be there an hour early. Uh, I'm super nervous that, you know, the good folks at Fandango that we all love uh, may have double booked a few of these seats because that was a pretty heavy uh, IT infrastructure that they were uh, getting beat up on. So I want to make sure I get there nice and early so I don't have to, uh, you know, end up on the week, uh, the, the nightly news for what might happen if somebody's in my seat. <laughs> um, 
if you're going with, you got to know who the characters are. These movies have made $20 billion, so if you don't know who they are right now, Endgame is not the right place to ask questions. It's time to focus and sit down and watch it all play out. Um, if it sucks, if it happens that this movie is not very good, I am probably going to not be in the frame of mode or the mood to uh, hear about it then, so... Whoever goes with me, if it stinks, we're not talking about it in the car. Text me in June, and we'll talk about how much it sucks at. <laughs> um, through any DC apparel, you know, that's fine. Um, I'm going to drop you off at a different movie theater where you think we're going, and then I'm actually going to go where the movie's being played. Uh, get ready, because uh, whoever I'm friends with over the next month, we are going to go watch this movie ten more times, because it's not going to stink, and it's going to be amazing. And we need to take that smug-ass James Cameron down a little bit, you know? He's yeah. got the two top-grossing movies of all time. Um, you know, he's married to Catherine Bigelow for a little while. And, you know, I think it's time that he gets taken down a peg. He's it? pretty much had a perfect life. Him and Tom Brady are the two people that, you know, you don't really want to wish anything bad on somebody, but if you just like to see somebody get a hangnail, you know, trip up in life a little bit, James Cameron might be one of them. Wait, James Cameron was married to Bam Bam's sister? He was, yeah. They, uh, he actually has the, uh, tea. the tattoos on her head and everything. It was a little bit weird, but uh, <laughs> it worked for, out for him. Tea is for tattoos? Okay. Yeah. Um, she, she, I believe, was the first woman to, woman to ever win an Oscar for uh, uh, Best Picture. Tea. Or for Best Director. Best Tea. Um, yeah, with a Hurt Locker. Speaking of Jeremy Renner. And uh, I think she named that movie, actually, after her marriage with James Cameron. Yikes. <laughs> Indeed. A group yeah, where you I can only I say yikes. the biggest part of this, uh, my last rule, is just enjoy it. You know, we, again, this is a podcast about the MCU, but I don't think you guys would be doing this. Obviously, we all take this stuff seriously, and it's important to us. But if this isn't fun then what's the point of doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. We all got gravitated toward these characters at some point in our lives. Peter, you and I have talked a lot about this. Uh, for a lot of us out there, you know, this universe, when it was in comics and now in film, uh, was kind of a place for us to get away from, you know, the the, the bad things that happen when you're a kid, you know? Kids are mean. Uh, being a, a fat kid or a thin kid or a kid with a lot of zits, you don't always necessarily have a lot of friends. And uh, for somebody like me, who uh, isn't that anymore, but was for a long time when I was a, a preteen and a teenager, I escaped with these characters. I went away with them uh, into a, a place that wasn't school, you know. And I was lucky enough to grow up before people could talk, you know, crazy stuff to me on the internet. But I went into these books and I went into these cartoons uh, to get away from, you know, the. Uh, the kind of meanness that goes on in schools. And uh, it's important to me that this is fun. You know, uh, we talk about this as nerds all the time. Regardless of what anybody thinks about these things, uh, our job as children of Stanley is to welcome them in, you know, to, to make sure that we're a judgment-free zone and that we make jokes uh, to each other and that we have fun with this. But anybody who's different than us that wants to be a part of this, you know, you're all you got to do to be a true believer is just belief and we'll welcome you with open arms and you can stay forever as long as you treat everybody else that same way so regardless of what the outcome of endgame is i hope it's fun i hope people have a good time with it and i hope it sets us up for a lot more fun for the next few decades 
So I think that is the perfect way to close this episode out. Jeremy, once again, major thank you to not just being on the show today, but being a supporter of the show to the level that you have. We appreciate that, and we are honored to have you as one of our biggest supporters. I appreciate it. Um, both of you guys, you know, you said it before. Um, you know, do this long enough. We talk behind the scenes long enough. You know, we all have each other's phone numbers. Uh, I'm definitely a fan, but I also feel like family. And, you know, it's not going to be too far along. That I'll be seeing you guys hosting panels at San Diego Comic-Con and yeah. Comic-Con. And we'll laugh about the time that you guys had me on my show or on your show. And I made a fire hydrant, hell hydro joke. And, <laughs> pretty much drove this podcast right into the uh, to the crapper into the very heights of mediocrity yes yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like the Hulk's bathroom there's, there's Marvel crap all over the place yikes yikes visual I didn't want to and can't unsee now well the conversation Jeremy and I had yesterday he was telling me he has so much Marvel stuff in his home office it looks like the inside of someone's colon I'm not gonna say whose it was but I thought it was all it was Marvel related it was so great you tried to bait me into it but I'm not gonna do it cause uh, I'll get killed on the internet and uh, I won't be able to go to work again well I'm not gonna say so don't worry <laughs> but man was it good <laughs> Any- if I'm ever on like court TV or anything like that you can pull out the text and be like this is why <laughs> The only stuff I had ever seen when you posted pictures were all Captain America stuff. So, yeah, I got a healthy Captain America collection uh, for somebody who's completely obsessed with it, and uh, my Thanos collection's been running since the early 1990s. So wow. those two kind of balance each other out. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Balanced, as all things should be. Uh, but no, it's been a really good time. I really appreciate the opportunity to to be on with you guys. Uh, I'm sorry that uh, hashtag Eddie Wilson has snapped away half your tweets, but uh, I did get that in there. Yes. <laughs> nice going. So once again, before we go, Eddie, how can people get a hold of us on social media? I'm glad you asked that. Well, we can, but I mean, we'll just rewind to the beginning of the episode. So <laughs> there we go. It sounded just like it. So Jeremy, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm usually uh, in a heated conversation with the rest of the cult of Jim Cornette, so uh, we have some fun on there. But I'm at Jeremy Bagley on, or at the Jeremy Bagley on uh, Twitter. Uh, I wanted to make sure I differentiated myself from some of the other Jeremy Bagleys out there who really have kind of lowered the bar for the name. Right on, right on. So, for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jeremy Bagley. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! And now, another edition of Obsessed with Marvel, as we continue Avengers April. That's pretty amazing. Our guest, Jeremy Bagley. Okay, we all got a chance to mess these up. The question is 1,523 in number. Armbar. Armbar. Uh, what is Lyra's parentage? And Lyra is L-L-Y-R-A. What is Lyra's parentage? Is it human father, Lemurian mother? Is it Atlantean father and human mother? Is it Lemurian father and human mother? Or is it human father and Atlantean mother?
I'm going with C because wow. I, she's yeah. under the sea. Like 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 the crab uh, ring. I will defer to Peter on this one, uh, which is a phrase I don't get to say enough. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> you stop that. I have in the past uh, obsessed sessions. So, okay, let's try for Lemurian father and uh, human mother, the letter C, and it is correct. We're off to a good start. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Bless you. Okay. Dialing up to the next questione with a side of fries. Make it to go. I'm in a hurry. 922. Who is not a member of the Squadron Sinister? Hyperion, Nighthawk, Power Princess, or Dr. Spectrum? Power Princess. I'm going to think that too, actually. Who is Squadron not a member Supreme. of the Squadron Sinister? Who becomes Hyperion. Squadron Supreme. He's talking over me again. You stop that. Jeremy, you understand what I'm going through. Hyperion, Nighthawk, Power Princess, Dr. Spectrum. I'm going to have to concur with Power Princess because I think the one that was missing was Wizard. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think we're going to try C again. It is correct. Two in a row. How can this be? This is a 12-piece chicken dinner. This is a, yeah, and double mashed. And I mashed. Say in the same thing that I, uh, on the yeah. same show where I deferred to Peter. Who in the heck would have done? <laughs> okay, dialing it down now because we're going lower in number, and it is 218. Which supervillain persuaded the Submariner to lead an Atlantean invasion of the surface world in the final Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Four storyline. Which supervillain? Magneto, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, or the Red Skull? I think C is our lucky letter See, today. I'm, well, I'm 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 starting to channel the supervillain team up comic book, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Which supervillain persuaded the Submariner to lead an Atlantean invasion of the surface world in the final Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Four storyline? Which comes from a Fantastic Four issue somewhere in time. Can um, I say them again? The, the options? Magneto, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, the Red Skull. I actually think it would be. Wouldn't it be B? Doom? Do, well, Doom and Submariner were in several supervillain team up issues in the seventies. Now, how yeah. late did how late did Kirby and Lee do the Fantastic Four storyline? Early seventies, uh, no, Would late sixties, I want to say. So maybe it's not Doom, but uh... my two gut feelings here are Doom and Red Skull. Um, Doom has had some really great conversations, um, both, but mostly manipulates um, Namor. So that's the only reason I was thinking Doctor Doom. Yeah, yeah. Well. We're going to wind up trying Dr. Doom and watch it be Peter's instinct, which was the Mandarin, but let's try B, Dr. Doom. No, the answer is Magneto. Magneto? Uh. <laughs> okay. That's our three questions. We got two out of three. How do you like that? 66.6%. Uh, yeah. It's better than weeks of weeks of podcasts, so let's maybe quit while we're ahead. Hi, this is Sapphire Nova from Superheroes Unlimited, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Hey everybody, welcome to another Cosplay Connection. It's Eddie Wilson reaching out to Superheroes Unlimited. Might have seen him on Facebook, might have seen him at a con, might have heard about him. If not, you're going to right now. Sapphire Nova is with us. Sapphire, thank you and welcome. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk to you and just talk about what uh, Superheroes Unlimited is all about. If you want to give us a little backstory and what you guys do with your husband, Derek, and also the others that are involved. Yeah, you got it. We're a custom costume company, first and foremost. Anything anybody sends us a picture of, we can make. Some really obscure character or something, you know, completely common, we can do it all. And that's really what we do. And we have a whole team that works with us, almost 20 designers who are mostly cosplayers themselves. So it's great because these people truly understand what costuming is and what it means to, you know, wear these costumes for a full convention and what it means to, to have them on all day and be able to live in them as we do. Yes. And we've got so many talented people that work with us. Some people are great with crafting EVA foam. Some people are great with working with wigs. Some people are great with sewing. Some people are great with warbler. Everybody's got kind of their own talent, and we're able to draw on each person's greatest talent to bring together some very high-quality costumes at reasonable prices. I tell you what, I think if I were to try and sign up for Superheroes Unlimited, my talent would be very limited other than to say, I just want to wear the costume and and make people happy, take pictures, they like the character, whatever it is. The other talent I might have is maybe taking pictures of some of the cosplayers. Yeah, and, you know, we have uh, some people that do that, too. We have some of our our lovely people that have just joined us just to kind of come and show off the costumes. They help us do photo shoots to promote and get advertising pictures. And we have a couple photographers on staff as well. So we are quite an all-encompassing company. How long ago did this all start? Like, what year? It started, our first, like, official con as a company was back in 2015, but we had actually started the process about a year before that, like really planning and searching out the market and feeling out what direction we thought the company was going to take. Because actually, like little side story, the company was going to start as a birthday party company where we were going to bring superheroes to birthday parties. Not a bad idea. And yeah, and we, you know, we were like, that that sounds like fun. You know, we've got some great talented people that work with us. But then we we're like, ooh, start up for, you know, all those costumes that are needed. We we're like, you know, maybe let's start making costumes for people first and then track back around to the birthday parties later. And then we found the costumes were so successful and such a demand for it that we just said, well, maybe we'll get back to the birthdays. It's still somewhere. It might happen. But between you and me, I don't think it'll ever happen. (laughs) But we've, we've done so great with the costumes that I don't think we need to. I think we've got a very solid company just as we are. And as far as the places that you've been, the states, the number of shows, I mean, they just keep growing from what I'm seeing on Facebook, <laughs> especially from, let's say, uh, within the span of the the last year, because now you two are more mobile, and you two are essentially the core of Superheroes Unlimited, yeah. correct? Derek is essentially the driving force. He's the business mind behind everything. I like to say, he's the business, I'm the talent, but no, no, it's really great. The two of us kind of are the pinnacle of it, and then we've got, you know, everybody else that helps support and bring us up, because truly, without our team around us, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And yeah, as far as conventions, we have been traveling all over the country, going to tons of different states, and hopefully we'll keep it up, and eventually, my goal is a convention in every state. We'll see if that happens. That's that's a lofty goal. <laughs> well, yeah, it's almost like the uh, credit card commercial and the, the guys go to a baseball stadium in every state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing that there could be, from what you've heard, certain shows that you haven't been to and you want to go to. 
Any come to mind? Oh, absolutely. Like, as far as, you know, big shows go, I would love to go to Dragon Con one of these days. I think it's great how they basically take over the city with cosplay. But there's a ton of little shows out there, too, that would just be fun. And honestly, for me, more than the shows themselves are the places and the people. There's just so many places we haven't gotten to go yet that I'm just really anxious to meet new people in those places. So that, for me, is more important. And there are varying degrees of... Likes and dislikes or the variety of what you'll find the elements in a con, whether it's artists or vendors or people who are dressed up as cosplayers. And that can vary from size, whether it's a small little thing or a big thing. I'm guessing that you can't say if I said to you, well, do you do better at a bigger show than a smaller show? That might necessarily be black and white. It might not be a not a black and white thing like there are so many variables like you said some cons can be very little but very cosplay heavy and some cons can be huge and not at all cosplay heavy so i mean it really does depend on the show we tend to do better at smaller shows simply because for us going to a show is more advertising than it is actual sales smaller shows allow us more time and allow the people more time to get to really talk with us you know get to find out more about what we do and it allows us that chance to explain to them this is how we work this is how we operate this is the best way to get that costume of your dreams made yeah i think in your position it's better to be seen in as many places as possible you're not going to get work on the spot because of the work that you do well most of the stuff we do you know it's things that people want to think about if it's something that they can buy off the rack it's not what we do can we make those costumes absolutely but people tend to come to us more for those obscure characters that they're not going to find anywhere else or that they want a truly high quality costume so it's not an impulse buy for most people. It's something that they sit there and think about and go, okay, I really want to be this character. What exact version do I want to be? We allow them that ability to come to us and really part out exactly, okay, I would love to see this material. I want to see it, this exact version. You know, I really like the way that color looks in that picture, but do you think maybe we could make it a tad bit darker? We can work with them on all different levels because everything is custom-made. People can get exactly the costume they want. Now, Sapphire, another component of the costume in general is the component you've worked with very much, makeup. What do you want to pass on as far as that goes? Makeup is one of those things, either you love it or you hate it. (laughs) And for everybody, it's trial and error. It's one of those things you get better with it the more you do it. So for you know, example, I have many body-painted characters. I've had lots and lots of practice. So my first time I body painted, it wasn't as good as my hundredth time that I'm on now. Absolutely. So don't try makeup the day of the convention and think that it's going to turn out perfect because mm. it's not. Test it out beforehand. Give it a try. Learn what works and what doesn't work with your body because even what will work for me isn't what's going to work for everybody else. And we're talking about significant amount of time also as far as putting on the makeup. And you don't even think about <laughs> most people about, well, after it's over, now you got to get this off. <laughs> Yeah, well, the good news is, as far as body painting goes, it's a much faster process to take it off than it is to put it on. Mm -hmm. But for most of my characters, it takes anywhere from an hour to three hours just in body painting time alone. And you do need some help in some cases, no? Or Um, Generally not, actually, but I'm pretty flexible. So (laughs) I've gotten pretty good. I'm one that I like to be self-reliant, so it's one of those, if I'm going to do it, I would prefer to be able to get it all on my own. But thank goodness so far, I haven't had any characters 
characters that I really need to paint. I have one little tiny bit of my back that I can't quite reach well, at least. <laughs> and luckily, none of my characters have had to use that so far. Yeah, otherwise, we definitely need an extender nozzle or something. <laughs> On the spray can. Yep. I, I know I need help simply with the couple of Velcro buttons that can be at the back of a costume on me, so I'm <laughs> really in need of help. Yeah. One nice thing about having flexible arms, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get into the range of characters that you've done, and let's talk about your um, motivation or inspiration for picking a character. There's a couple different things I look at when I pick characters. First and foremost is, do I like the character? So generally, I tend to really go for characters that I either really relate with or I wish that I had some aspect of their personality or their strength. I tend to fall towards like the Marvel characters. I really do enjoy Marvel. I really do love Lady Death, which is why I ended up bringing her to life. And just characters that I really enjoy. My other thing that I look for is, do I really like their look. So whether I really enjoy the costume or I think there's something challenging about it that I think would be fun to make. I've uh, mentioned in person and otherwise Lady Death, and that's probably where we'll end up with. But that's just a funny line that you said, bringing Lady Death to life. <laughs> I just Yeah, I guess that is a little bit of an oxymoron there. <laughs> it goes without saying, but leave it to me. I, I had to say it. <laughs> with the makeup, before I forget... With regards to the makeup, and I can't recall, you tell me if there have been any particular character that you've done where you needed to use makeup, and it might not have been that you needed to have a lot of yourself in that color makeup, but maybe you had to do some intricate and detailed stuff. Have you run into that, or do you shy away from that? I never shy away from anything. In fact, I like to embrace a challenge, so sometimes I get myself in hot water that way. But I think the most detailed makeup as far as like body painting goes is I haven't even really done any photos of it. I did a gender-bent Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And Piccolo in his character, he's mostly green, but has these like pink patches on his arms. And they're a little more than just kind of big ovals, I guess, that have some like special lines painted across them. And that I do all in paint. And I do that all myself, including those times that I have to try and paint left-handed and backwards in a mirror when I have to get to certain parts. Yikes. <laughs> Which, you know, is always fun. And again, a little bit of a challenge. But, I, you know, I have a pretty steady hand. So, so far, so good. <laughs> I'm guessing that mirror would have some stories to tell, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mentioned that, especially with the green color, I realized, or remembered, your lizard Gwen Stacy character involves some kind of, maybe it's a stencil pattern that you've put on different parts of... Uh... Yeah, to get the scales. To be honest, it's a wig cap. So I use one of the uh, netted wig caps, and I just stretch it over whatever spot, and I use a black eyeshadow to just dab over, and that's how you kind of get that scaly look, which is actually pretty funny when I have to pull the whole wig cap over my head. I look like some kind of weird bank robber, <laughs> not in any kind of good way. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it, sure. Let's go through the, uh, <laughs> let's go through the range of characters that you've been, unless we want to break it down into color categories, and we, maybe it's easier to remember that way. <laughs> Sure, whatever you find easier. In the orange color range, we have Starfire, and we have the I Dream of Genie character. Yes, both are, are favorites of mine. I thought they might um, be, I yes. Mean, I'm trying to remember if Starfire was the first time I met you, actually. I don't recall. It's been a while. <laughs> first of all, I loved Teen Titans growing up, so when I finally got the you know opportunity that I was like, I'm going to be Starfire, it was so exciting to me, so much fun. It's one of my favorites, even to this day, to bring out. For a while, I went to almost every con of Starfire. And so finally, I was like, you know what? I'm about ready to retire Starfire. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, no, don't retire Starfire. We love her. I was like, you know what? 
here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come up with something a little different. And so that's when I uh, came up with my idea to make my mashup of I Dream of Starfire, so which takes the traditional I Dream of Genie character and pits her with Starfire. So it's just kind of a fun way for me to revamp and still get to play this character that I love and actually get to combine her with another character I really love. I got to really look into what colors I wanted to do and how I wanted to equally represent both Starfire and I Dream of Genie. I thought that Starfire came before Genie and that maybe thinking, all right, where else can I go with this color if I want to stay with this body paint is working for me, I'm doing well it's not runny it doesn't flake off and you know you went to something that you loved and that was great i remember seeing you at one con i believe eternal con in long island and holding the i dream of genie bottle because barbara eden was there that was a great picture that you took yeah, it was, and it was a lot of fun, and there was a gentleman there who was actually selling the bottles, and he was nice enough to let me take a picture with it, because it was like, it's so perfect. It was even purple, which perfectly matched my color scheme that I had for I Dream of Starfire. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I went and I met Barbara Eden, and she was amazing and so sweet, although I don't think she entirely understood why I was orange. Yeah, <laughs> well, I am with Barbara Eden in that sense, because a mashup can be great and definitely original. But confusing as all get out for somebody like me. Because (laughs) change the gender on a Scarlet Witch and I'm lost. (laughs) Or the uh, ethnicity, rather. Yeah. You know, it's true. A mashup can be a challenge. And that's why I actually really enjoy them. It's one of those things that you have to work really hard to make sure that both characters are represented and recognizable. And that's why you can't just take any characters and throw them together, because there's some that if you don't have enough distinguishing features, it doesn't read. It is fun, and there are times that people don't get my I Dream of Starfire. So I get some questions or people look at me strange that are like, Genie? But orange? But I like to think that I've done a pretty good job of representing both characters and making sure that they're present. And, you know, more than than just taking character where you take their average costume and then stick somebody else's wig on them doesn't exactly make a mashup. I am just thinking now of a different orange character. And this was a character in the Marvel Universe, and that would be the female thing. Yeah. Had you thought about that one? That would one? be cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's always new thoughts thrown at me. My list of costumes that I want to make is probably, I'll be nice and say it's only 30 characters long right now, but it's probably longer than that. (laughs) As much as I like the body paint, I'm desperately trying to not come out with characters that are body painted. (laughs) Because as I said, it takes me about three hours to paint. So I would love for some that are not that way. But I have like three new ones that I'm trying to make right now. So <laughs> yeah. I guess it's never really going away. Like I said, that one just came to me. I believe her first name was Sharon in the comic book. All right. How about the color green? We talked about Lizard Gwen Stacy mashup. That's a great one. That is definitely original. Never saw that before. <laughs> Thanks. I thought that was a fun one. Honestly, I just got the idea one night. We were watching The Amazing Spider-Man, which has Gwen Stacy working next to Kurt Connors. And I was like, you know what? It would have just been just as easy for her to get affected by that ray beam as anybody else. So I was like, what if Gwen Stacy became the lizard? So just a fun little, like, what if scenario I threw around in my head. And (laughs) just a fun one to do. And I think anytime I've seen a uh, professionally taken photo, Otis, kudos all the way there. I've seen it in a great background, a warehouse, beams, where a lizard might hang out (laughs) in semi-darkness, you know. Yeah, Otis took some beautiful photos. Otis Casey Photography, he's one of my my favorite photographers to work with. He was uh, so gracious to go with me to this creepy warehouse, and I was like, this is the perfect place. It had conveyor belts, 
beams that I climbed up and yeah, I actually did climb up into the rafters, which was not very high up off the ground, but truly terrifying. I think I got half of my lizard like movement on there, just trying to cling onto the beams to make sure I didn't fall. <laughs> and then the other green character that you've done frequently, I believe, is Gamora. Yeah, gotta love Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've been a fan of Guardians for such a long time, and actually even before the movie came out, which is funny because I started cosplaying Gamora just before the original Guardians came out in theaters, and some people kind of recognized me, a lot didn't, and then after the movie, people were, oh, Gamora, and it was just funny how greatly that the impression changed. Your Gamora has the comic book version, I think, as far as the costume, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. The movie, completely different, pretty much. Yeah. And that it, it, completely different. In fact, they kept the green skin. <laughs> yep. Your version only has the one costume, I think. You haven't adapted yourself to the movie version, have you? No, I've never done the movie version. I've never done any other versions of Gamora. There's actually one version where she's got kind of like a white battle armor in the comics still that I'm kind of, it's like I said, it's on that list. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll ever end up actually getting to it, but I would really love to cosplay that costume as well. And now to the color white. The first one I think is not too involved is Domino. Yeah, Domino was just kind of a fun one. It was actually an adaptation of our Black Widow costume we had. And it was just one that I'm a huge X-Men fan. In fact, if I could cosplay pretty much every X-Men there is, I, that would make me happy. Wow. <laughs> um, so I'm just steadily working my way through. <laughs> We're going to have a Sapphire Rogue. We're going to have a Sapphire... Well, wait, I think I have seen Rogue. We are going to have a Sapphire yep. Psylocke, right? A Storm. Oh, man, would I love to do that one. I have done Storm. Yes. I don't tend to post too many pictures of that one, you know, out of respect. I love, 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 love all the X-Men. And if I could be, like I said, every X-Lady ever, I would be happy. <laughs> well, let's not forget also, without the white makeup... Well, no, there is some involved. The White Queen, Emma Frost. Yep, another X-Men. Like I said, I'm working my way through them. Jubal I got to wear our uh, Phoenix costume for like half a photo shoot, which was really more just product pictures, so I look terrible in every photo. But <laughs> eventually that's one I'll revisit. And then we have to talk I, about um, Jubilee and Kitty Pride, Shadowcat, maybe? Oh, huh. Uh, yes, yes, and yes. I would love to do all of those. <laughs> Are you okay? You sound like you're going to pass out. <laughs> I might. Just thinking about all the ex-girls, I would love to be all of them. <laughs> oh, so that was a good reaction. You're getting excited. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, man. Yeah, if, if I could join any superhero team, I'd want to join the X-Men. All right, we're going to come back to another white-skinned character that has seen flesh tone as well. I just want to run through, just jump back to Orange for a second. With Starfire, have you ever, and I think you've done this with Lady Death, who we're going to get back to again, with the white eyes, and perhaps Storm as well, but have you ever done orange tint for Starfire? As far as the eyes go? Yeah. Was, doesn't she have, or has had... When she gets her power, really, like they glow this brilliant green. Oh. So I actually tend to wear a green contact, which obviously isn't the entire eye, just because I don't believe they make a contact like that. Mm. At least I have never seen a contact like that. So if somebody knows of one and wants to shoot that to me, I would love it. There you go. Moving along to uh, the area of I know nothing about, really, and that would involve at least one pink skinned character, is uh, the field of anime. 
As far as anime goes, I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. There's a couple other animes that I've watched, but Dragon Ball Z is the one I've kind of been with from the beginning. That was where my pink one came from, which is Majin Buu. And Majin Buu is just kind of a fun, kind of a, a silly character. Sometimes he's kind of badass, too. But I had fun gender bending, even though he's kind of gender neutral. I made it more of a feminine version. He's got this big, like, antenna horn thing. I don't know how else to best describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than going a prosthetic look, I ended up taking and making it a wig. And so it gives that nice nod to the character, but still keeps it kind of feminine and cute, which better suited my personality. We've touched on it, I'm sure, but who comes to mind as your favorite cosplay character and why, would you say? Probably my all-time favorite's got to be Lady Death. She's got a very near and dear place to my heart. Also, like I said, I really do enjoy cosplaying Starfire. She's more my personality. I think Lady Death is more the strength that I wish I could have, and Starfire is more kind of that fun, bubbly personality that I like to think that I have, at least. (laughs) Is it safe to say, Sapphire, that between the two, those would probably be the most popular ones that you're most known for? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. That and probably my Gamora as well. Yeah, because some people could say, oh, yes, Sapphire Nova, she plays a great Gamora. You know, Let's not forget some of the other Definitely. characters, though, because in addition to meeting you as Starfire, as Black Widow, meeting as the White Queen with the uh, diamonds on your face and hand changing every single time, I think I've seen that, which is good. <laughs> or they're increasing. Gwen, yep. <laughs> the Gwen Stacy Lizard character, and then, of course, as Lady Death. But let's not forget as Sue Storm on occasion. Yeah. Always. I gotta love my Fantastic Four, too. Sue Storm is one of those characters, you know, I just adore her, and I've always loved the Fantastic Four. I think any story that kind of draws me in with a villain that I really like, I really end up liking the story, so I love Doctor Doom, and I think he's just a fun character, just kind of over-the-top and ridiculous, which is why I love him. (laughs) And so, of course, that makes me love the Fantastic Four and kind of their bond. So getting to be Sue Storm, I think it was just like most of them. It's, it's a dream come true to me. Well, take this with a grain of salt from me, Sapphire, or maybe as a future idea on that 30 character list to do. But it just crossed my mind, and I really, in my infinite amount of catching up to do, had seen that for a brief period of time, and a couple issues maybe, Sue, under whatever happened in the storyline, took a downturn, or a uh, bad guy Mm -hmm. turn, as Malice. Would you think of incorporating a a cross-up of Sue Malice Storm? Malice is actually one of the ones on the list. Yes! So, yeah, it's it's definitely one I would love to do at some point. What do you know? I hit a nerve. Okay, there we go. (laughs) I want to get back to now the favorite, and this ties in, too, with being able to interview her creator. You had the opportunity to talk to Lady Death creator Brian Polito. Tell me about that. Oh, absolutely amazing. He is such a cool guy, and... I don't think I have enough cool points to be able to even be in the same room with him. Mm. But he was uh, nice enough to uh, let me in. And I got to come out and celebrate the anniversary of Lady Death's creation. So we celebrated Lady Death's birthday. And he uh, so wonderfully allowed me to come and be Lady Death for that event. And just a fun time and getting to meet so many devoted fans and so many devoted fiends. Yeah. So we actually, I you know, I asked him if he wouldn't mind being interviewed by his creation. And so we did this interview and I mean, he was great. He answered so many wonderful questions. We actually had fans write in questions they would like answered. It was just an amazing time. And I think I was nervous as anything, but... <laughs> 
But I, I tried to play it cool. <laughs> I was one, absolutely. I saw that, and I could sympathize with you at being excited and nervous at the same time. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's banging down my doors to uh, be doing interviews right now, but I think I held my own, and he was a blast to get to interview, and so much fun to just get to know. More than you might have in interviews that you read or... Yeah. We tried to tackle it from the standpoint that Lady Death was interviewing her creator. So it was just kind of a fun, different way that most people couldn't tackle. Being in character, that's another thing. <laughs> and I don't know if you if that's called upon you, depending on the character you're in. But yes, there are poses, there are looks positioning, maybe movements. How about speaking? I mean, Lady Death had to talk to her creator. Now, that's something <laughs> possibly to... And it's hard if you're just reading a comic, you know, you're putting the voice, what you're hearing in your head, possibly, when you're reading the comic book. Have you found that possibly challenging? Or you have a set idea as to, all right, this is how she should sound. I'm going to try and emulate that. I'll look in the mirror and talk like... Yeah, you know, I try to do that with every character. I mean, it's hard being in character at conventions, especially with like a character like Lady Death or even like Gamora, where they're a little bit more, I don't want to say standoffish, but they're a little bit more of a reserved character and not so friendly and inviting because I don't want people that don't know me to come up and be like, wow, this girl is really standoffish. Mm. And I'm like, but I'm really not. I'm trying to be in character and them to just not understand that that's what I'm trying to do. So I find it a really hard line to walk. You know, with characters like that, I do tend to let some of my more welcoming personality come out and try and be there for people. But as far as voices and stuff, especially sitting down with the creator, I was like, well, I better have this on point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, everybody's got their own interpretation. And so is my interpretation the right interpretation? The only person that can say for sure is Brian. The way I envision her is she's one that she's very internal. Like she processes everything she does. And then when she gets angry, it's very, she comes straight to the front. I envision her voice being a much lower, much slower kind of tone and much more calm and collected. It's almost more of a regal tone. Whereas like I tend to talk more in a higher register. It's like any time an actor gets a script, you can only bring to the table what you think and then eventually what your director gives you. If you were in a setting where you were doing a video, let's say, of Lady Death versus, I don't know, Electra, then that would probably be where, yeah, you need to make sure you have this vocal register down as if you are totally personifying her in that scene that you're going to shoot. Yeah, absolutely. When you did the birthday of Lady Death. That was just you. You were the only Lady Death there because I've seen others do Lady Death and I think good interpretations as well. But it was just you that time, correct? Yeah, it was just me. I was honored to be that person that got to come and represent Lady Death. It truly is an honor to be there with Brian, you know, any chance I get. I'm very thankful that he thinks that my costume is worthy of being there and representing her and that speaks volumes and that truly touches my heart. I don't want to speak for Brian, but I'm sure that when he's gone to other things and somebody shows up as Lady Death, he's happy about that as well. Oh, sure. I think he's excited every time he sees his creation brought to life, and I think that's something that is truly spectacular about him. Like I said, it's an honor because there are so many wonderful Lady Death cosplayers out there that he, he really does appreciate mine as well. It made me think and wonder, I've seen at least on one occasion, not in person, but on a posted picture, that ladies have dressed up as Slave Leia, and there have been a huge group of them. I'm thinking, what about 
a huge grouping of lady deaths. Is that something that you may have encountered, or I, I don't know? You know, to be honest, I really haven't. I think the most I've seen at a convention is like one or two other lady deaths. Sometimes if Brian is attending a convention and brings out his whole booth and everything, occasionally I'll come across one, maybe two other lady death cosplayers. But generally, there aren't very many. She's one that you either are completely in the fandom and are a fiend to the extreme, or she's a a lesser-known character. So, I mean, she's not Marvel. She's not DC's. I mean, the fact is, she is one of the most popular independent characters of all time, which, I mean, speaks volumes for her, but she is still an independent character. And, you know, so I think likewise is, her name is escaping me, but I'm sure you know it, and you may have been photographed with her, too, except that she's in red makeup, body paint. Are you thinking of Purgatory? Yes. Yeah, I've actually only run across one Purgatory cosplayer. And we did take some pictures together, which was a ton of fun. Mm. And we actually took pictures with us and Brian. That was a great time. But yeah, unfortunately, I've only ever run across one. So, I mean, I'd love to do a full photo shoot with a purgatory at some point, just because I think that would be so much fun. Let's see if we can narrow things down. And you give me two or three future cosplays that you would love to be. Ooh, so tough. Um, I'll give you ones that I am currently either working on or in the planning stages of. I've done a Ruby Roundhouse from the new Jumanji movie, which will be fun because I'm already choreographing a dance battle in my head. So hopefully you'll be seeing a cool video from that. I'm working on the character Ash from League of Legends, mainly because I like any characters that have bows. <laughs> she has a really cool ice bow that I'm very excited to get making. And then probably the one I am most excited about, I'm working on Demona from the Gargoyles. So if you ever watch like the old 90s cartoon, which is one of my favorites, so a little bit of a more you know evil character, which I'm excited and still in the body paint. And I actually get to play a little bit with some prosthetics. So I'm really excited for it. Sapphire the Girl Gargoyle. I like it. Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm going to have to look up that cartoon. Where else, how else can we, the general listening public, podcasting or otherwise, find you, contact you, or Superheroes Unlimited? We're Superheroes Unlimited on everything. So you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. We technically have Twitter and a bunch of other social media platforms, but we're really never on them. But it's just Superheroes Unlimited, all one word. And then as far as myself, I am Sapphire Nova Cosplay. So you can find me on Facebook at Sapphire Nova Cosplay or Instagram Sapphire Nova Cosplay. And also sometimes part of a group because we forgot to mention the Sailor Moon characters. Yep, definitely. You know, I uh, masquerade sometimes as Captain Moon, which is our mashup of the uh, Sailor Avengers, my Captain America Sailor Moon crossover. (laughs) And when you said you love bows, all of a sudden Sailor Moon popped up in my brain, so not too big of a stretch, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. She's got a whole bunch of different kind of bows. but. Let me get in one other thing, too, and that goes back to Lady Death. I've seen probably at least three variations of what you've done in the white, Mm -hmm. I guess full white, including the white eyeballs, and also in a flesh tone. And now, I think, with a different costume accessory, I think in the legging area. Yeah, she's actually got a bit of a revamp. I did add some more armor pieces and went towards more of her metal look. Again, kind of like I said with Starfire, I've been wearing Lady Death and specifically that costume to so many conventions and so many people had seen me in it that I was just ready for it to be something different. kind of went back to the drawing board and I went and looked at thousands of, of Lady Death covers. So I took pieces of some of the favorites that I had seen 
And I kind of combined them together to make this new costume for her. And it just gave her kind of an updated look. And then I was able to use some new techniques that I wasn't able to the first time and create some new armor pieces. And I just had a lot of fun with it. To me, it gave new life to her. What I remember seeing, at least in picture form, not having seen you, with respect to the legs, they're now covered instead of exposed, so there's no white Mm -hmm. skin showing there. Yeah, I do have leather pants for her now. I also wanted to, especially for conventions, I wanted a little bit different look just because I had so long gone with her traditional look. But sometimes it is a little bit tricky at a convention because a lot of conventions do want to keep it more family-friendly. Sometimes it was a little bit difficult to bring her out to conventions because she was so exposed. Let's just briefly touch on some of Lady Death's accessories and what they are and what you've changed up maybe. Sure. I don't know the the proper term, but new leg gauntlets. I think that's the wrong term. New bracers for my legs. I have new gauntlets on my hands, or I guess bracers is a better term. A brand new cape for her, some new shoulder pauldrons, the main like chest plate has gotten a uh, a new paint job. Now it's more of a silver look than the original bones. Lots of new studs for the belt and for the wrist bracers. A new stud collar. <laughs> what about a weapon or a couple of weapons? I've always traditionally carried around her sight. I am actually currently working on her sword. Then I get to change up her accessories even more. One of those weapons, I believe, or accessories has a name, I think. It does. Lady Death fans, don't get me wrong. I believe it's Nightmare. That would be which of the two weapons? Her sword. The sword. Mm -hmm. I don't believe her scythe has a name. At least I don't remember having ever read it. But it does have a skull face on it, I believe. It does, which is kind of fun. kind of fun she's being actually she's being a timid. lot of my uh new armor pieces have skulls and of course all of my skulls have horns and bangs and all sorts of cool things <laughs> thank you for what you've done yourself derek everybody that's involved with superheroes unlimited from the models to the photographers and far as i know always looking i think right yeah we're always looking for new models new designers new photographers anybody that does anything cool and geeky come join us Great to see you out there, whether it's Facebook, social media, Superheroes Unlimited, Sapphire Nova. Thanks for helping make this cosplay connection. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is Madam Jackie Sky, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Hey, everybody. It's Eddie Wilson making another cosplay connection, especially for the month of March. It's Marvelous March, and we're featuring women in comics. To that end... And on a little bit of a tangent, we want to welcome in Jackie Sky. Welcome, Jackie, and thanks for spending some time with us. It's awesome to do this. I love talking about women in comics, and I love talking about comics, so this is fun. We are doing this again to recognize the movie that's out, Captain Marvel, but also to give more recognition to the ladies that have gotten involved in this. And it's taken a bit of time because it was mostly a male thing. It's expanded again into the world of cosplay. That's become a more popular word now. How did it start for you? What age and how did you find out and start getting involved? Well, I always watched comic book shows. My first crush was the Joker from Batman the Animated Series and Gambit from like the old school X-Men. Like I'm talking the big hair, 90s, early one. Mm -hmm. And then at 13, I went to my first New York Comic Con, which I believe was the first one. And then the next year, I was like, there's other people dressed up. I want to do this. I was originally more into anime than traditional comics. So my first cosplays were from animes. I did things like Misa from Death Note. And then, like, through reading mangas, which have a whole line, the shoujo, that are very girly, I got back into my love for Batman and Harley Quinn 
And then it just took off back into my love for comics. All of a sudden, I had a pull list. I was cosplaying Harley Quinn, the classic Batman, the animated series. And then I started doing takes on Harley. I started doing casual cosplay and takes on everything. And for me, at that age, I know for a lot of girls, that's when you start going from, like, I'm a girl to I'm an adult. And for me, I was that kid who was an extra small, had a larger chest, and was wearing an extra large. Cosplay made me really comfortable in wearing more fitted clothing because people weren't coming up to me like I was some weirdo in the classroom. They were coming up to me like I was into the same thing they were. When I was dressed as Harley Quinn, it was, oh, my God, I love Batman the Animated Series, too. Did you know Harley started as a TV character, not in the comics? And that, like, really opened me up to doing other things, and it made me just way more comfortable as a human being. So I went from wearing the animated series one to doing more revealing costumes with corsets and shorter skirts. And that really pushed me to become more comfortable with myself. It's kind of a good way to you put that. And again, starting off by being a comic book reader and then going from there. So that's kind of really cool. I think you're like a self-starter in that aspect. I wanted to mention also you being of a certain height, I can't see the top shelf anywhere. (laughs) What I was going to say is, and I think it fits, because of the personality that I know you as, having met you at a couple of shows, and you being gracious enough for me to take pictures, first as Lady Deathpool, and that was at a Hudson Valley Comic Con, and then as kind of a Joker mashup, sort of a Joker Harley-ish thing. I think it's an original of yours, and very colorful and very cute. Is that you are, because of your personality, the way I know you, you are fun size. I am. I am fun size. And, you know... I don't mind being short. My feet reach the ground. And for me, I had to get past my shortness in a way because like Harley, she's a tinier person. I'm now working on Wonder Woman, who is a big Amazon. And I am not an Amazon. I am an elf. But the fact that I love that character and I feel like I can portray her at a one-third scale. I'm just a mini Wonder Woman. That would work. If you're into that, you know, a lot of ladies are Wonder Woman. But if you wanted to stand out, sort of, just by virtue of your height, you would. I mean, I know one or two people at least who have several iterations of a Wonder Woman costume, just like there are as many Harley costumes. I think when it comes to all the iterations and everything, I think a lot of times when I pick a cosplay, there's something in that character that kind of reverberates back in me. Like, I see Wonder Woman as something I want to be or something I feel I am. And then, like, for Harley, I have a very similar character Harley. I'm insane. I'm silly. I go insane. And my best friend is a redhead who keeps me from falling off the cliff. And that makes me want to do that character. But then I also get like, well, I want to do that character, but I want to do it more me. Like for my Joker, it is a burlesque take on Joker. It's got a corset. It's got fluffy skirts. It's got feathers everywhere. Because I saw that craziness, I wanted to be that kind of assured. And I wanted to show the more crazy Joker side, but I did it in a way that fit me better. I think a lot of cosplayers will take a character that they love and put a bit of themselves into it because they're trying to put a bit of that character into themselves. And it suits you well, because I mentioned Joker and I mentioned Harley also, and I also want to add that it was from the East Coast Comic Con and did some photos too, and really great spot to do that. Oh, I love being female Deadpool, Wanda Wilson. And for me, Deadpool's fun because I will flat out run around a convention, you know, with a unicorn. (laughs) It's a way to get out. I was shy when I started cosplaying. I no longer am. Didn't take long to come out of that shell, right? It did not. I think after the first time you do that, I'm going to speak in general for anybody who does this, after the first time getting into some kind of costume, you get out there and it's an unbelievable experience. You remember it and you're kind of like adrenalized and you're so charged up by it. You're like, I want to do this as much as possible. Definitely. I also think if, especially having made some of my costumes, you get this like pride and this you want to do better. You want to take that costume that you made 
previously, you want to add more rhinestones. You want to make it bigger. You want to really just show your love for the character. And it is an adrenaline rush because you see people that maybe were you were shy when you went in. You see that other shy cosplayer who you say hi to. Now they're coming out of their shell. Even people not in cosplay. You say hi. You make a new friend. You just get this rush because you're like automatically you're like, you're wearing a Batman t-shirt. I'm a Batman character. We can be friends. Absolutely. You're right. They're showing some kind of support when they're coming in just a t-shirt of a superhero or otherwise. I still do recognize somebody who takes the time to get into that costume, whatever it is, and say, hey, can I take your picture? You did a great job. Who are you? Exactly. And even with the who are you, you you now get to say, like, I recently did a character, um, Persephone from used Band-Aids, Lore Olympus. Almost no one knows who that was at the time I was doing it. It was just starting to become popular. People thought I was Princess Bubblegum. They thought I was all these different things. And I got to tell them about a comic that I loved. So I get to tell you, oh, I'm so-and-so from this. You might pick up that comic, and all of a sudden, you're taken off, too. So I love spreading the love I have for shows in these silly costumes. And again, going back to that Joker costume of yours, you did add a Harley component, I think, and that was in the, the Big Mallet, correct? Yeah, so I was doing a female Joker, and in my head, a female Joker isn't necessarily Harley, but I think it would have more Harley elements because she so based herself on the Joker. And I used my Harley mallet because I was like, you know what? I don't think that a female Joker would necessarily use the same exact tools as the male Joker. Plus, when you have a giant, great hammer, you're going to use it. You better, right. Are there any um, favorites that you have done that you like to revisit and go back to? Harley. Everything I do somehow always ends up back at Harley. I still have my first suit. I've done at least two versions of that same exact suit. But every time it's go back to Harley, it's, hmm, I'm going to do a Harley schoolgirl. I'm going to do a burlesque Harley. It's, I'm going to do a Harley Quinn Wonder Woman mashup. Because at the end of the day, that's kind of where I started. I've also gotten back into some of the anime cosplaying. Like, I've done Sailor Moon recently, which was really great. Because it made me re-love that anime connection. and made me think of my first costume in the anime world. What, if you can think of some others that you've done before, characters? One of the ones that I did was kind of a crazy take was Navi from Link. In Legend of Zelda, Navi is just a little fairy ball that floats around. And my first idea was to make a giant hamster ball in blue and roll around a convention. <laughs> Terrible idea for many reasons. Um, but I then went, okay, Navi must have some kind of being under all that light. What if I were to really zoom in on Navi? And I kind of came up with this elvish, slightly based on Zelda, metal armor top, metal armor headband with the Triforce. And I had like my light up wings. And for me, it was great to take something where I was like, okay, Navi's going to be a fairy. I don't think Navi's going to wear as much clothes as Zelda. So I made it like reveal the stomach. But for me, it was really fun to go, okay, what would I think this character would look like? And it also was a cool challenge because I've made my own armor. Very nice. Now you've been at it probably, I'm going to say, in the range of like 10 years cosplaying. Probably like 13, 12 okay. years. Okay. That puts you in about, and we can say, I checked this before, in your mid-20s. So you've got, you've got some late even. Oh, which I guess you kind of have to emphasize when you've got that height thing going on, I suppose. Yeah, when I'm still getting ID checked if I'm 18. You know? But you feel good about that. I've gotten used to it. It's sometimes fun to be like, oh, they thought I was much younger than I was. But then other days when you're at a restaurant and they're looking at your ID going, are you sure you're even 18? <laughs> it's a little weird. It's also odd at cons because I will be talking to someone in my age group or even a little bit older, and then, like, a 12-year-old will come up and talk to me. I was recently hit on by, like, a 16-year-old and had to be like, yeah, no, no, thank you, but no, I am old enough to have been your babysitter. No. Yes. 
Any particular events or cons that you have attended or like to go to, try to make? It's all about who I go with. I've done Anime Next a few years. I really enjoyed Anime NYC this year. I like doing smaller cons where you get to see the cosplayers really dressed up. Undiscovered Realms is always a really cool con. It's further upstate New York. I've been to Virginia Comic Con, which is a great one in the South. I also like doing smaller events, like if Sailor Moon is having a movie release, I'll do like a casual Sailor Moon costume. And then I work events such as Lust NYC, which are pin-up events and more fetishy things. So I'm really all over the place, and I'm kind of like, can I dress up and go to this? I'm in. There's also another organization I'm going to say that you're a part of. Superheroes Unlimited. We make custom costumes and props. I love Superheroes Unlimited. I would go anywhere they asked me to. As long as you can get there. I will find a way. I love them. They are great. All the models are fun. Going to a convention with them, I just know I'm going to have a good time. And that's through the organization that we first met. And Sapphire and Derek do a great job with what they're doing, and we hope they can continue to do so. And it's mostly ladies that are into this, but there are some guys that I've met that are doing it also. Well, there are definitely a lot of male cosplayers, and I've met tons of them. I've dated tons of them. I've been broken up with tons of them. There's a ton of them that hate me, Um, but I actually like working with a lot of female cosplayers because female costumes tend to be a little bit more revealing than the male. Not always. There is He-Man. Seeing women be very strong and group together and, like, protect each other because there's a lot of consent violations at some cons really makes me proud of my costumes. When I'm in booty shorts and stopping some guy from taking a picture of someone else's butt, it makes my day. The question that might go through a guy's mind is, well, she's wearing it. Why can't I take a picture of it? I'm all about pictures and cosplay. If you're wearing a costume, people want pictures. They want to remember meeting you. They sometimes even want to be inspired by your costume. My thing is, consent is important and key. There's a whole range of ages in cosplay, and you don't know if walking up to that young girl wrong is going to turn her around and make her feel bad about herself. I don't care if someone's completely naked. Always ask for consent to take a photo. Always ask for consent to put an arm around them. Consent is key, and consent is like, it is important. It is what makes cosplay fun. Also, I feel like revealing cosplays are fine. It doesn't matter as long as you're showing love for the character. I don't care if you're wearing nothing but pasties and a G-string with the Deadpool logo on it. You're Deadpool. That's always been my opinion. Cosplay is not consent, and it's absolutely true. And those who don't follow that basic foundational rule get ejected. So sometimes, and again, you have to just make sure it's okay. The other thing I was going to ask with regards to working with so many women, do you ever feel like there's any sense of competition? I was once told the greatest advice ever. Um, It was by my big sister, Sarah Sparkles. I jokingly looked at her one day and went, I'm going to be more sparkly than you one day. And she turned around and went, we are never more sparkly than each other. She's like, we sparkle together and we sparkle in different ways. If you just are covered in rhinestones, it's not as sparkly as rhinestones in sequence. And that stuck with me because... We're not in competition. There are a lot of girls that feel that they are in competition together. How dare she cosplay the same character as me? How dare she do this? And it becomes, instead of picking each other up and trying to help each other and get everyone doing well, it becomes a battle of how far down can I pull you? And I think that's toxic, and I think it happens in both male and female cosplayers, but I think it's much more hurtful in female cosplayers because I've seen people go from, she's my best friend, we're going to be friends for life, to posting each other's news. The better everyone does, the better we can do together. I believe in picking up my fellow cosplayers, not putting them down. If you're a jerk to me, I will call you a jerk and I won't deal with you. But I will never try and hurt you. I think it's good, though, just from my perspective to look and see, oh, here's the same characters. But they all looked a little different because of their means, 
maybe their talent and what they preferred to be as a different version of a character. So that's possible. So we can all get along in that respect. Exactly. And for me, me and one of my best friends do matching costumes. Well, we're matching characters. We'll both be Moxie together. She's tall. She looks different for me. She has a completely different energy. Everyone who does Harley Quinn is slightly different because it's them doing it. You can love 80,000 Harley Quinn cosplayers. You don't have to just like one. And sometimes you might not be the best in the costume. You might look and go, oh my God, that costume is perfect. Instead of saying they're better than me be like how do i make mine even better going back if you want to talk a little bit about lust so and i know a lot of other cosplayers in the to the bdsm community it's another kind of way of escape it's another place where you can dress up have fun um lust is an event started by abby hurst it's all about consent it's all about open sexuality and it's all about being comfortable with yourself at our full-scale event which we just finished on february 15th we have Nude models covered in food. It's all about art and just being comfortable because not everything's about sex. It's about connection. It's about taking that moment to look into someone else's eyes, whether it's a partner or a friend. I'm a great believer in hug your friends, be happy. Not everything has to go down to naked is dirty. It's not. Naked is just naked. Skimpy costumes are just skimpy costumes. It's not necessarily about sex. It might just be about that way of expression. I pictured from having seen some, whether it's Instagram or Facebook photos of work also, I'm going to say, at Lust. Well, you've gotten into the food component now, but I thought it had to do a lot of candle wax. Yes, I personally do, um, for Flambeau Fire, it's called the Living Candelabra. It's an art installation where we take a model and we actually make them into a living candle sculpture. We interact with people. It's all about this idea of pleasure and pain and just new experiences. And it's really fun. I've personally been in wax for up to two hours to four hours, and I love it. It's just another way of expressing art, and it's a really different art form. Very much so. And perhaps in the time you've been doing it, you may have seen some, uh, I don't know, increased interest or growth? Definitely. I feel like in general, consent and just sexuality but not sex is becoming a big topic. That idea that, you know, people can wear a smaller cosplay with more revealing components and not be something that you hide your kids from. The fact that you have to ask, may I take your photo? May I come near you? Can I give you a hug? A lot of conventions are starting to give consent talk. And with groups like Cosplay is Not Consent, I think that that's going even further. I think that in general for women, it's becoming both more dangerous and safer because we're putting ourselves out more, but we're also watching more. Good to know. A couple more things and we'll let you go, Jackie. I have seen in some cases you have a prefix to your name and that's Madam. You want to talk about that? Actually, it's just because Jackie Sky was taken in so many places. So I had to sit down and go, what do I want to be called? And I was like, madam. It's just a, I am a madam. I am classy. I am crazy. It had a slight BDSM turn to it. And it was just something that I went, that's it. That's what I'm doing. That's who I am. Some people call you that to your face? They do. I get called a lot of things to my face. (laughs) Uh, Some of them sound nice, but aren't. Madam was just the right fit for Madam Jackie Sky. It had a good flow to it for me. Good, and it's working for you. One of the last things I want to ask is anything coming up in the future regarding cosplays that you are looking forward to doing or doing again? I'm actually redoing my Persephone cosplay from Lore Olympus. I'm going to be doing it in a group with some friends. My first time doing a like colored body paint, I've always just done white. So I'm figuring out how to do better highlights in the colors. And last time I wore tights, I'm excited to paint my legs, and I'm hoping to add some LEDs to the costume because LEDs make everything better. I think you're right. And in some cases, ice cream makes everything better, too. But It does. If folks want to find you, how can we find you, Jackie? You can go on either Instagram or Facebook under Madam J. 
Jackie Sky spelled S K Y E. Why is there an E? Because I'm Scottish. That is actually in the Isle of Skye. So you can just Google Madam Jackie J A C K I E S K Y E, and you'll find me. That sounds great. That or just say free candy at any con, and there's a fifty-fifty. I'll come find you. All right, good to know. I'll have the rolls of sweet tarts ready. <laughs> the Smarties—that's what they are. That's my favorite. Yes. Oh, I love Smarties. Madam Jackie Sky, thank you again for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Anytime.